Fed Talks is a podcast for theater teachers and theater education students. I am Dr. Jimmy Christman, theater education professor at Illinois State University. Each week, I want to bring you stories and interviews from experienced K-12 theater teachers, current theater education majors, and professors of theater education that will warm your heart, renew your faith in teaching, and provide resources to better your practice in your theater classroom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 28 of Fed Talks. I'm excited to have you joining me on this episode as uh, I get to introduce you to a fantastic middle school teacher in Middle Tennessee. Her name is Meredith Daniel. You're going to absolutely love hearing what she has to say, and uh, her energy is just infectious. So please stay tuned for that. I want to make sure I give an encouraging word right now to all of you teachers out there who are like me uh, and that we're taking our active face-to-face classes and trying to transform them into these e-learning environments or online learning, depending on where you are. Um, Just know that there are tons of resources out there for you. Please comb the internet. Facebook has tons of groups that are popping up that are are giving lots of great resources and and things to take advantage of uh, that are out there. There are lots of free resources, free um, online uh, environments that, that people are, are making available for teachers right now to uh, as, as we're all dealing with the COVID-19 uh, in our country. So keep your heads up, teachers. I know there's lots of uh, uh, negativity um, and sadness and, and anger and frustration building because of canceled shows and losing class time um, and who knows what else as we, we continue with the pandemic. But uh, just keep, just know that you have a, a, a huge group of people out there who are supporting you, who are loving you and are appreciating what you're doing um, and to, and, are, and are, are there for you. So take advantage of that. I've been producing my podcast for nearly a year now and I've been focused on creating a great product just for you teachers and students. Now that I feel pretty confident with the format and the episodes I'm putting out, I wanted to find ways to make money with the podcast. I found an easy way to do just that with Podcorn. I simply went online to podcorn.com created an account, scrolled through their list of potential show sponsors, submitted a pitch, and boom, the next day I had a sponsor for this episode right here. This sounds too good to be true, but it works. So teachers, if you're looking at utilizing podcasting in your classrooms, you and your students can easily create content, put it out in the world, raise the bar and the stakes of the student work, and your students can even research how to make money with the podcasts they create. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities such as host read ads like this, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. With Podcorn, there is no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. You never give up any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn is here to support you at every step and ensure that you're protected and compensated for the work you do for brands. The Marketplace mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when we monetize. Click the link in my show notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities today. I am excited to welcome to Fed Talks today. Um, I think... I am on my spring break, and I know right now, I think she's about to enter hers, um, but we're all kind of in the throes of the the coronavirus mess and, and what that's doing to our schools, but we're going to take some time out today, and I'm very much looking forward to talking with Meredith Daniel this morning. She is a, a teacher in, a theater teacher in Middle Tennessee, and uh, I'm just going to let her introduce herself to you and just kind of give you the spark notes journey of Sparkner's version of her journey of to, to where she is now. So Meredith, welcome to the podcast and, and I look forward to talking with you. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, I'm like so excited to be here. Um, well, so I come from a really small town where theater isn't really done or accessible. And so I mainly play sports from the time I was really young, uh, specifically softball. And when I was in the fifth grade, our principal of our tiny 200 kid elementary school was like, hey, let's put on a fifth grade musical. And it was like this musical version of Tom Sawyer. And I did it and I felt that applause for the first time. I was like, I'm done, I'm hooked, this is what I'm doing. Um, But I still continue to play sports and my family is a huge sports family. My sister plays volleyball and went to college for volleyball and they didn't know where I came from. They're like, what theater, you wanna do what? But to their credit, They did all of this research on camps and got me into some really cool camps in Nashville. Um, And then in high school, when I was in the plays, I couldn't do the musical because I had to stay fit for travel ball. 
so I had to do school ball to stay in shape for travel ball. And it was Oklahoma and I really wanted to be in it. And I was like, all right, see ya, see ya softball. I'm going to be theater. And my family did not know how to take that. (laughs) (laughs) And then when I was um, about senior year, I realized I wanted to teach. And so I went to Belmont for teaching and then thought I wanted to teach in a theater, like in a theater for in their education department. Um, Student taught, ended up loving middle school. I never thought I would. Um, got a job right out as a fresh 22 year old in a high school teaching English and theater, uh, peaced out after a year <laughs> and now I teach middle school and that's my journey. Well, I, I want to hear a little more how, um, cause I, I'm, I want to get into your love for middle school. Cause I think it takes very special yeah. people to do that. Um, <laughs> before we do that though, can you tell me a little bit how your, your, um, your love and your, uh, your family involvement in sports has played into what you're doing now. Yeah. So I think that, um, you know, my, my family is very sports oriented. They're very highly competitive, um, which actually worked out well for me picking theater because my dad was my softball coach majority of the time I played and with theater, they don't know what they're talking about at all. (laughs) (laughs) And so like, they're just like, this is good. You know, it's great. It was fine. Um, but it helps me really relate to the kids because I do, I did come from sports. So when I do tell them like, Hey, you know, I played sports too. I played softball for, you know, 11, 12 years. Um, I really enjoy watching sports. You know, we can do it all. Theater people aren't just pegged into one little, one little group. Um, like it's high school musical. <laughs> like we love all different types of things. And especially if I can at least know a little bit about sports to get, specifically my boys who aren't usually in theater. Um, If I can talk to them about like the latest ESPN highlight, or um, if I can get, especially not just my boys, my girls too, uh, that just brings another level of relatability that I don't know if they expected. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I was growing up, my, my parents um, got me involved in baseball and and little league. I mean, I was very young, Um, but, but, I would rather stand out in left field and pick grass and throw it in the air and twirl underneath <laughs> it. Um, and when I did that, I think my dad realized, oh, this is really not where you're supposed to be. So Yes. And <laughs> I think they were so heartbroken, but I think they realized, especially when I got into high school and saw how much I love theater. And I tell my kids too, if you decide you want to do theater, you should try all sorts of different things because theater is a really great melting pot and you're never going to know what kind of experiences they're going to want. You're never going to know what kind of skills they're going to want. And so you just want to try all sorts of different stuff. Yeah. I have a, um, one of my theater ed majors is a, I don't know if it's still a record that's held here in Illinois, but I know he was a, a record setter for, for a track and field event and, and he fell in love with theater his senior year. And now he's a senior getting ready to be a senior to teach theater. And, uh, I just directed guys and dolls at ISU. And one of my, my main dancers, um, he was fantastic, but he, he came to ISU uh, after having been a wrestler for, for all of his high school career. And now he's, he's, he's an actor and he was a featured dancer in most of the show. And it's just, I think it it provides extra physical skills too, that that other kids just don't have. Well, I, I think that looking at the athletes that I have directed, there's definitely a level of body awareness um, that comes with that Mm -hmm. and that athleticism um, and dancers too, because dancing is, you know, just just as athletic. Uh, But I just love how all sorts of, the theater just brings all sorts of different people together from all different types of backgrounds. It's just so cool. Yeah. Well, (laughs) tell me a little bit about your, your, how you fell in love with middle school. Cause like I said, I think it takes very special people um, to connect with and, and, and really reach those kids. I, I was not one of those chosen people. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love them. And I, I have two middle schoolers in my house uh, right now, but uh, tell me about that experience and how you knew you, you fell in love with that. Um, well, like I said, I went into my student teaching experience thinking that I'd want to teach high school or in a specific theater, uh, working in the education department for all ages. And my degree is technically in K through 12, mm-hmm. as many arts degrees are. And 
I ended up falling in love with the goofiness of middle school and how they are so advanced and they are so capable of advanced things, but yet they are so, um, they're so willing to do all of the uh, imaginative play things too. Like you can still do imaginative play. They have huge imaginations, but they're also capable of really beautiful advanced things. And they have really great opinions on things. And I know you say, you like think middle school, and they're like, they're in middle school, but they really have awesome opinions and voices. And if you give them a safe space to articulate those things, there's just no limit to what those kids can do because they're not aware of how much they can do. And that's what's so beautiful about it. Because yeah. you know, you watch it and you watch them doing all these advanced things and they don't know. And you're like, oh my gosh, these kids are pulling off all of these lovely things and they're not aware of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, my, my middle child, uh, had, uh, her, her production of frozen junior this past weekend. Oh, I um, love frozen. And she was, she was one of the two Elsa's and uh-huh. we, we knew, we knew she's talented. We knew she's very intelligent. Mm-hmm. She's very creative. But when she stepped out on that stage and just owned it, we were like, who is this child? Where did she come from? And by the way, I th- I've talked about it on the podcast before. I'm not uh-huh. sure if you've gotten to one of those episodes or not, but she does not let me help her. <laughs> she has flat out told me before that I don't know what I'm doing with theater. And I'm like, sweetheart, I teach people how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> that is so typical middle school, though. It is. How old is she? She is 13. Ooh, like, so eighth grade? Yes, every bit of it. Oh, yeah, they're not going to show you anything. <laughs> nope. No, 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 no. It's hard sometimes for them to get, or for me to get them them to show me anything. Um, but especially their parents. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. No, I that that eighth grade, has that eighth grade wall started coming up yet? Oh, yeah. Of like, I'm a high schooler, and I'm so cool, and I'm a fortress. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's, it's there. Yes. <laughs> I find it usually comes up like the last, the last, like the summer before eighth grade. And then it doesn't come down until high school. Cause I have to tell parents that they're going to come into sixth grade and you don't know where your babies are gone. They've turned into little aliens and uh, you'll get them back in high school. (laughs) (laughs) That is, that is the best way I've ever heard that put. So thank you. (laughs) Uh, But I will tell you, her her chorus teacher and her her drama teacher mm-hmm. walk on water in her eyes, and mm-hmm. they if if they gave her feedback or they gave her advice on how to sing something or or acting mm-hmm. something or they are the experts and they they are just these these deities in her mind mm-hmm. and so I appreciate what you all do. Um, even though you make me look horrible, <laughs> and that I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, you're also, you're also her dad. I'm so, also dad, you know, but, but yeah, well, but I, I appreciate you know, what you, you all do. Oh, sorry. No, you're Well, good. thank you. We need people who, you know, aren't afraid to get into the mess and just teaching in general, but especially teaching middle school, because I don't know one person who has had a really great, awesome, overly positive middle school experience. <laughs> and so having those people who can get in there and just love on them and create that space, pay, space safe space for them to um, feel supported and guided in this mess while they're trying to figure out their life. I call it like the mess in the middle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, then, you know, that's, that's why we middle school teachers teach for yeah. sure. Well, how do you create that space with your kids? <clears throat> um, absolutely 100% relationship based. Like we spend a lot of time building those relationships um, and building that trust because that's where everything, I mean, those relationships fix so much stuff. They fix just 95% of discipline. If you just have relationships with the kids um, and they're so, it is so easy to gain their trust as well because all they want is someone to love them and listen to them. And doing a lot of ensemble work on the front, on the front. And I tell my kids every day that they are loved and they are valued and they are worth it to teach because they have to know that I'm in it for them too. So I love coming to school every day. I want to teach you. It is a privilege to teach you. And when they hear that and they hear that consistently, 
that creates that safe space for them to share and grow. Um, and that's really changed my program hmm. um, of just when kids come in and they're like, this is the, and this is not unique to me. This is <clears throat> so many teachers, not just theater teachers, but this is the only place where I feel safe. This is the reason I want to come to school. Then I've done my job. Everything else is just, you know, hopefully, you know, the stage directions, that's important too. But if I can give you a safe space to create and imagine, then done check mark <laughs> yeah I, I think it's also important to note that, that through those ensemble exercises and that work that mm -hmm. you do with them to develop those relationships with you but that in turn is also feeding a need in their lives to that social aspect with one another as well oh. and how important that is to them um, and you giving them that space to do that i think is also contributing to that well thank yeah, you i they they're so much in their own world at this age too, that it's so important to, for them to see that there are other people in the space and those people have their own views and opinions and thoughts and their brains don't work the same as the other people, as yours. And there's space for that because there's space for everyone in the theater. Um, and, you know, I tell them that the theater is, a perfect place that needs your uniqueness. So all of your strengths and all of your weaknesses together, we need all of it. Um, and we're going to, not only are we going to accept it, but we're going to celebrate it. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm going to come back to your, your, your program at your school in just a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I dug around and, and I found information about your classes <laughs> and I think it's really cool. And I want to get into that in a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about your, your, your year in the high school and what that was like. Oh, it was a hot mess. <laughs> well, you know, I had just turned 22 years old. Um, I had gotten this job uh, teaching English and theater. It was not certified in English, but in Tennessee, as long as you have a bachelor's degree or a teaching license, you can take the praxis test and get certified in that, in that um, area. Mm -hmm. So I took the English praxis test, got pushed into an English class, didn't know what the heck I was doing. Um, <laughs> But I feel like if your first year of teaching isn't cringeworthy, you're probably not doing it right. <laughs> um, so I was teaching these kids that were three years younger than me. Um, and so my saving grace was I had a really great fine arts department that rallied around me and helped me. And we did my first musical that I chose was Footloose. And first musical I ever directed, wanted to do Bye Bye Birdie. That didn't work out with rights. Uh, wanted to do Once Upon a Mattress. My principal wouldn't let me do it. Um, and so she was like, what if you could do Grease? I was like, ah, okay. Uh, well, you know, we have a lot of 80s costumes. So I was just joking. I was like, well, we have a lot of 80s costumes. Why don't we just do Footloose? And then the traction kind of gained. And I started with like five kids in the theater department. And um, with the help of our brilliant choir and dance teachers, uh, they recruited all these kids for the musical. And a lot of these kids had never acted before. And we just all like pulled through together and created this really lovely musical and sold out every show. Oh, and it fantastic. really got the community involved. And it was all because of like this awesome fine arts department that just rallied around me in my like, I have no clue what I'm doing, first year teacher phase. Um, and it was probably my favorite directing experience I've ever had, just because it's a testament to the beauty of community and theater. Um, but the classroom part was not so great. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that. Um, I think that it was, you know, <sighs> Teaching prepares you, for, I mean, teaching school prepares you for, you know, all of the little, all of the big picture things. But up until that point, you're kind of just learning in theory. Um, I mean, you have student teaching and practicums and little instances here and there, but still it's not your classroom. It's not your classroom. It's not your rules. It's not your procedures that you set up uh, from scratch. Mm -hmm. And as specifically as a theater teacher, they don't, in college, they don't really, in education classes, they don't 
use examples from a theater class. They say, this is what it would look like in an English class, or this is what it would look like in a science class. But teaching theater is so unique. Like even the structure of like, we're gonna stand in a circle and play these games. Um, this is an active class. Like we don't, most of my grading is done on a rubric because it's performance-based and this and this and this. And that just, it, didn't, it doesn't prepare you as much for that. Um, and so all of that put onto my normal first year teacher, like I learned all these classroom management techniques, but how do I use them? <laughs> was just, uh, and, the, and also because I was teaching 18 year olds, 19 year olds, and I was 22 years old. Um, it was just, I think a, looking back, it was probably a normal first year experience. <laughs> Um, but also because I was teaching English and I yeah. hadn't studied to teach English, you know, I still talk to some of those kids today and I'm like, I'm so sorry, y'all. I'm so sorry that <laughs> I'm the reason you probably can't, couldn't write an essay freshman year, <laughs> but I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you. <laughs> and I'm going to like, just take everything and put it to theater games and theater activities and just hope that something sticks. Oh, <laughs> well, that just sounds like the perfect storm to make you not want to go back after year one. Like, I mean, you, you, uh, you, you loved your kids and we always love our kids, but yes, there's more to our job than just that. And, and yes, many times that, that, that becomes overwhelming and that becomes too much. Mm -hmm. Um, I can only imagine being a first year teacher, a with the first year teacher, things that go along with that and just learning where yes. the bathroom is that, you know, and, and, uh -huh. Why you're still getting stopped in the hallway, asked for a hall pass, and you're on faculty wearing the faculty t shirt, you know, because mm -hmm. that was my first year. Like, I would, I was stopped and asked for a hall pass many times. I'm like, I, I literally am wearing my faculty badge. Um, <laughs> but, but then being thrown in to teach a subject that you are not prepared to teach. And, and I appreciate you sharing that, you know, education departments and programs, it's a, have a difficult time, um, if we're being honest about putting, I'm speaking for my students right now, my theater ed majors in, in theater classrooms, they, they, they are going in to teach a psychology lesson or how to analyze this poem. And they're like, I haven't analyzed a poem in four years. I don't even know what, mm -hmm. what this means. Um, but they're figuring it out and they're doing it. Um, so I can only imagine what that was like. And I, I'm really glad you returned for year two, even though it was at a different school, <laughs> yes. but cause that could have made someone run, run for the Hills and never come back. Oh, it was, I mean, all I can say is I, somebody told me one time that first year teachers, you're just lucky to have your head above water. I mean, just barely above water. And my saving grace were the people I chose to surround myself with in the school. And it was tough to leave them mm -hmm. specifically. But at the end of the day, I don't do the work mostly for the people I work with. I do the work for the, for the kids. Mm -hmm. And for, you know, my health. Mm -hmm. But it's important to have that, that army of support mm -hmm. around you as well. Um, and I think that's important for, for new teachers to hear and for veteran teachers who just lock themselves in their theater or their classroom and, and don't have that. And they're, you know, they're, they're depending on themselves and their kids to carry them through. And that's, that's a hard place to be. It is so hard. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, Talk to me a little bit about, because um, you've shared with me off, mm. off, off air that um, you left the classroom completely for about six months um, mm -hmm. because you just got to a point of burnout. Um, and I know, yes. I know that is a, that's a very serious thing and a very real thing for theater teachers because we, we work ourselves to the bone and then there's nothing left. Um, talk to me about what that was like for you and what, 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 that, what happened with that. Oh, absolutely. So this is my seventh year teaching. And um, last year, I just got to a point where I was very unhealthy. I was not taking care of myself physically or mentally. Um, I don't know if you do the Enneagram at all, or if you've heard about it. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm very much a, an Enneagram three, which means I'm a, like, I tend to work hard. I like to be um, successful. I like to be seen as successful. Um, my school itself is very competitive. Um, and I put a lot of high expectations on myself already on these 
really high expectations that they have. And um, I wasn't seeing my child. I wasn't seeing my husband. I was spending all my time at work or thinking about work. Um, I was always the last person in the parking lot, especially during musical season. Um, sometimes we have a fall play too. Um, I feel like the theater teacher season is from August to May or September to June, depending on where you teach. Yep. And um, just, just in a really unhealthy place. And it got to the point where um, everything was making me angry mm -hmm. and everything, I was being getting really jaded. And even the things that I used to love, I didn't love anymore. Yeah. Um, and it was affecting the kids. It really was, you know, I couldn't pour my love into them and my support into them because my cup was so empty and I left. Um, I had found another job and that was still in theater, but not in the classroom, um, thinking that it would just be better and um, that I would see my kid more and that I would see, you know, my husband more, my family more and told my kid and then so I quit the job told the kids I was leaving the hardest thing I ever had to do and then left um and I kind of realized it was a mistake very early on um because I don't know teaching is just what I'm put on this earth to do and that's what made my life complete and without the kids um, I just felt there was just something that was so missing in me. And I realized that if I was going to go back and luckily I, I had the avenue to go back, that I was going to have to take care of myself mentally and physically and make myself a priority and make my family a priority and really make those boundaries very clear. Um, because it's so easy for us to blur those lines of work and family but at the end of the day even though we're in uh, such a servant capacity teaching is still what we do it's not who we are teaching is our job and as soon as we can separate that a little more and create the and create more boundaries um we're going to be a little bit we're going to be healthier all around i think um, which is hard to say when you're running this program and people and, you know, people are like, you just need to set these boundaries. And you're like, well, if you want, if you want the quality program that you expect of me, like there are so many hours that need to go into rehearsal. <laughs> I can't just, you know, rehearse once a week for an hour and a half and call it a day and then put out a good product. Like you need to invest time in it. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a little trickier for us as theater teachers because we have to get a little bit more creative with how we do that. <laughs> well, and I think, I think what you said that it, it's not who we are, it's, it's our job. But I do think part of our, our identity as people mm. is, is that we are oh. teachers, right? I mean, yes, we, 100%. I, I, I was at a similar point. I think I've talked about it on the podcast before where I was actively looking for a new job. Um, it's probably around year, year 11 or 12 of my career. And I, I hated getting up in the morning. I hated going to work. Um, I loved my kids. I just, I, I did not like walking in that school building anymore. Mm. And I, I, I actively, I mean, I had an interview, a final interview to be a, a, a DJ on radio Disney at one point. And luckily I did not get that job. And I was, I, I still had my job because it, it eventually turned around and, and I fell in love with it again. But I didn't, if you had asked me at that time that the radio job was just a job at that point, but, but this is my career. This is my, this is who I am. I, I am a teacher that I am called to do this. I do believe, I believe teaching is a calling. Um, mm. And oh, I, I, 100. I, I don't know what I would do if I wasn't a teacher. Like I, I don't, I don't even know what path I would begin to look down, you know? And I think, I think that's, when you know, you know, and I think it's hard to, I think it's very hard to separate that work in life and find that balance. So 
what are some things that you did when you came back into the classroom to, to help with that balance and, and, to, and to set those boundaries? Well, I, first and foremost, I decided that my work stays at work. I work as much as I can at work. I do whatever I can and then I leave it. I leave my grading. I leave um, my, you know, creating costumes or whatever I'm doing. I just leave that at school and it's hard, but when I'm home, I'm mom. I'm mom and I'm a wife and I'm a sister and I'm a daughter. Um, because a lot of times too, you know, the theater teachers, if they don't, and teachers in general, if they don't have families, they're like, well, I don't have a family to go home to. It doesn't matter. You're a human and you have a life. <laughs> like you have a social life and you have um, family and you have friends and you have yourself to take care of. So you're, time doesn't become less valuable just because you don't have a child. Um, and I started doing meditation, which I kind of hate, but it's been really good for me. <laughs> um, and just being more intentional with uh, the time that I have. And that's where I am right now. Like I still have a lot of work to do. I'm still battling the, I feel like the quality of my program is suffering because you know, I'm taking, this is going to sound so bad, but I'm taking better care of myself. So my program is suffering. And, um, but that's just kind of where I am right now. And I have a lot of work to do and I'm still kind of trying to figure out my perfect balance. Um, but on the whole, I have a lot healthier outlook on it and outlook on stress and, um, the ability to say no because no is a complete sentence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the, the hardest things that I, I, I struggle with, with my, my theater education majors is mm -hmm. they, they say they know how to say no, but they don't. They, mm. they, they want to be involved in everything and people want them involved in everything because they are smart. They are creative. They're dependable and yeah, they're nice. reliable and, people want them around. And that's one of my personal life mottos is be someone people want to work with. And right. they are. And so that feels good to be wanted and needed. And, and it's hard to say no to that when, when you are. Um, but I think in my one-on-one -on -one meetings with them, I'm like, well, what all are you involved in this semester? And they're like, oh, I have so much going on. I'm in working on 15 different things and these four mm -hmm. shows I'm trying to hold down a part-time job and I'm doing this and I'm trying to still trying to study and then see my family when I can. I'm like, well, what are some things you can cut out? What are some things you can say no to right now? And they're like, uh, I don't know. There's nothing. <laughs> I'm like, no, but there is. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, they're young. They have something to prove. They yeah. want the experience. And so it's, you know, I was like that. Were you mm -hmm. like that? Absolutely. I still am. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, me too. I know. I'm such a pleaser too. And I just want to do things that, you know, I want people, um, I want to be valued. Yes. And I feel like if I don't say no, I'm not going to be valued. Um, or respected, which is totally ridiculous, right? I mean, I can sit there and say that and it's like, sounds so ridiculous, but it's true and it's human nature. So I think going forward, it's like, how can we fix that? And how can we prepare um, these um, bright-eyed cherubs who are coming into the profession um, to take better care of themselves on the forefront and make it okay and acceptable and make it open where they feel comfortable and safe saying, oh, you know, that's like saying no or watching their boundaries and being more aware of their boundaries, knowing that they're not going to lose anything in the process. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and my thing that I'm, I'm really working with them on now is that, no, I can't do that, but I can do this for you, mm -hmm. you know, I, and they're like, oh, well, that's really not telling them no. I was like, no, no, it is. But you're setting where your boundary is with that person. Right. What you can do for them right now at this point in time. Um, so I think that's, I, th I appreciate you sharing your story with that. Because I think, I think many teachers can relate to that. Oh, absolutely. Like, and I see, you know, even my colleagues are, are so burned out. And um, just the teachers across America are just, you know, we get, stuff that keeps 
getting piled onto us and onto us and and all of this stuff. And we also have, you know, all of our after school activities that we are required by contract mm-hmm. to do um, for little to nothing. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm, I'm so happy to share it though, because it's part of my story and it's a part of a lot of our stories. And I think if we're more open about it, then it will become, um, we'll see how not alone we are. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and maybe that'll start conversations that need to happen. I, I agree. I agree. Um, I want to go back to what you're doing with your program currently. Yeah. Um, as, like I said, I, I, I dug through the internet and I found the, the courses that you offer. And I think that is so cool. Um, <laughs> your kids get such a a wide range of courses they can choose from, which is very different. That, that's not normal in middle school. And like, usually it's, you've got the drama one class and mm-hmm. in some schools, that's all you get. You, right. know, you get, you get drama. That's it. Um, but you've got, you've got your, your theater one, you've got acting, you've got script writing. I think that's mm-hmm. so cool. Tell me about that. Yeah. So I think a couple years ago, the related arts department as a whole um, decided that we were going to try to scaffold our classes because the problem we were having is we would see kids in sixth grade and then some of them we wouldn't see till eighth grade and then um, some of them we just see in sixth grade and it's hard to scaffold a program when it's just you know drama one drama two drama three or whatever you want to call it um, and we had the luxury of being able to change it how we you know, to fit our school and our community's needs. And so we have, um, I teach six classes a day and five preps. And so I teach two sections of sixth grade, which are nine week rotations. Um, and that covers uh, ens- ensemble building, tableau, pantomime, um, character development. We go into puppetry, we do improv. Um, we talk a little bit about tech theater. Um, and then their final project, we talk about Greek theater because they talk about ancient Greece in sixth grade. So we do, I try to do some cross curriculum mm-hmm. that way. And their final project is they have to create a modernized Greek chorus and put it in a play about an issue in society that's important to them. And we've had really beautiful ones like moving to a new city in the middle of the school year or um, uh, girl power, which I loved. Um, And all sorts of these beautiful things that come out of these sixth grade minds. And then in seventh grade, I teach um, a regular non-rotation of seventh grade, which mostly focuses on on acting. So we go, we delve in deeper to acting with uh, the body, acting with the voice. We do radio plays. Um, uh, We do a lot more character development in that class. We read a few plays. Um, They do design projects on them. And then uh, we talk about Commedia dell'arte. So we act our way through history. Um, We touch a little bit on Shakespeare, but we do that in eighth grade. we, uh, they do a historical person monologue um, where they have to choose someone either from history, um, an ancestor, or we look at pictures from like Ellis Island um, and then they choose one of those and they write a monologue from their perspective. Um, and then in, then I have a script writing class that's also seventh grade. And so we kind of do the same projects as seventh grade, but we attack it from um, a script writing lens and really delve deep into, hey, how do we format a script? What does this look like? Um, how can we use um, our voices as script, as playwrights um, to include those whose voices aren't being heard? Um, then in eighth grade, uh, we do a lot more published pieces. Um, and then in eighth grade, advanced theater that's my year long class. And we start with uh, movement for the actor. So we do Laban and we do viewpoints. And uh, cause eight, middle schoolers are super kinesthetic in their learning. And surprisingly, they really take to Laban. I mean, they think it's really weird at first but <laughs> um, it clicks with them a lot faster than I thought it would. Um, we do animal inspirations. I try to give them as much tools in their toolbox as they can have 
to develop characters. Then we move on to um, uh, how to perform a monologue, auditioning. So everything from resumes and uh, like how to write one, not to lie on it, <laughs> um, headshots and uh, how to find audition notices and how to email a director if you need to email director and um, audition etiquette. Cause a lot of them don't know anything about auditioning and don't know that like, please don't walk into a room and say that, oh my gosh, I've just been feeling so sick. Was that good? Like, they don't know not to do that. Um, I'll be honest, then, many college kids don't know to not do that either. <laughs> Very I know, honest I, about that. I'm telling these kids all the stuff and I'm like, I've done this one, I've done this one, I've done this one, don't do that. <laughs> um, we do... Uh, we do Shakespeare on that one in that class. Um, we just finished American Musical Theater History. Um, and they wrote their own musical, but like a, not like crazy intense. They were like a synopsis of it. And then they did a design project on it. And then they had to pitch it to us. Like, here's our musical. You should choose it. Um, <clears throat> and then that class concludes with a nine week or the last nine weeks we uh they fully produce direct design of a one act i want to go back to middle school and take your classes now <laughs> um no i think that's i think it's so cool um i does your does, does the high school that you feed um does that does that do they have a theater program yes and we actually the cool thing is we share the same campus Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So it's, um, and the theater teacher and I talk a lot um, about how to funnel, how to keep kids in the program um, as they come from middle school to the high school. And so one of the things, the new things we're going to do is we're actually going to have like a mixer with the high school kids and the middle school kids. And we're going to assign them, all the middle school kids, a high school theater kid buddy. Um, and so hopefully we're hoping to keep and retain some of my boys as they go into high school um, by assigning them a high school boy who is already in theater. <laughs> and it's like, oh, come audition for the show. I hope that teacher takes you to dinner all the time and thanks you <laughs> for what you are doing and how you're preparing those kids to go into their program. Um, I. I was very grateful for my middle school feeder and when I was in the classroom still and I every year I could I would go to their shows and I would I would talk to her afterwards and like who who are you sending me and and mm -hmm. thank you so much for everything that you do cuz that's fantastic. I mean that what a way to hook them and then keep them and now you've got an even bigger mechanism that you're working to do to in, put in place to to keep them. So Goodness, I hope they thank you, and I hope they, they take you oh. out to dinner frequently to thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they're great, and they're great people to work with, but I'll let you know how it works out. We're Hopefully, we're doing it next month. Hopefully. <laughs> we'll see how all this stuff pans out, but I'll let you know how it works. We're hoping it works pretty well. That's awesome. That is awesome. Um, <laughs> something else that you share with me that I want to talk about, because I know it's yeah. it's it's a big thing that, that it's people are trying and attempting and not doing well at or they are doing well at and mm -hmm. it sounds like you are doing well with it is are the sensory friendly performances at your musicals um, and I know you said you have a very supportive administration with that yes. and, and the school is very supportive but tell me about that yeah so um a few years ago this is about the third year we're gonna do it um so I guess about two and a half years ago I was looking around and we have a lot of really great professional companies in Nashville I mean they're just world-class awesome and they were doing sensory friendly performances and I was like you know what if they can do it we can do it too and um really the number one reason was giving a space for our kids in our community and their families a space to experience a show um as a family Real quick, a, real quick, sorry. what, uh, just for people who don't know, um, cause oh, I'm taking, yeah. I'm taking total for granted that everyone knows what it is. What is a sensory friendly performance? <laughs> so a sensory friendly performance is a performance for, uh, people with sensory sensitivities. So you make certain accommodations, like you 
turn off down the house lights to 50%. You turn down sound levels. Um, you usually post a uh, social story online. Um, you give them freedom to move around. You have a calming room. Um, just kind of taking away all of those barriers that would prevent a kid or really anyone who has a sensory sensitivity to co-watch a show. Um, we have a person who uh, sits up front who has an orange glow on to waves it if something alarming is about to happen, um, just so they can prepare. Um, so it's just really creating that safe space um, for, for those people that need it. Awesome. Um, so we talked with, I have some friends um, at the professional uh, one of the professional theaters that did it. And they told me all the things they could do. I was like, this is actually really easy. Like we could do this and um, talk to my principal about it. And I was like, Hey, I really want to make this, you know, a free performance um, because number one, I wanted to create that safe space for that, for those uh, kids in those families. But number two, just another way to tell my kids, Hey, Theater is inclusive. Theater is for everyone. And that's just not for the actors and the tech. That's for the audience too. Like everyone gets to be involved in theater. And I uh, didn't know how it was going to work. Was really nervous about it. Actually, uh, so we did Shrek that year. And um, we worked with our, um, some other teachers in the building and they helped create the social stories and all of that kind of stuff, put it on the website, um, bought fidgets, bought all these things for me. They volunteered for the show. And um, the Friday nights, so our sensory friendly performance was that Saturday matinee. Um, <laughs> our, our house lights started strobing like uncontrollably. And I was like, uh, I was freaking out because I was like, I can't have my house lights strobing during the sensory friendly performance. <laughs> and it's supposed to happen like the next morning. So uh, bless my lighting rep because I called him in a panic and he came running Saturday morning and fixed it all. Oh, um, I know. Oh, oh, that guy. He's great. Um, so it happened and it was wonderful. Like we um, had schools who had best buddies programs bring um bring their kids and it was a really great experience for all involved and so uh then we did it the next year with the little mermaid and uh now we're doing it with high school musical so it's hopefully going to become a staple in our program and um just something that I also hope that other schools adapt because it's really easy. It's really shockingly easy to do with um, little effort and a lot of, a lot of gain. That's awesome. That's awesome. I want to hear a couple of your favorite stories from your career so far. Um, they can be funny moments. They can be poignant moments, horror story, whatever. Just a couple of stories that you've experienced with your kids. Um, so I think, for any theater teacher, really, it's seeing those kids who come in in sixth grade and audition for every show. And even if they don't make it, they keep coming back and coming back and being so resi so resilient. Or those kids who um, got put in your class, but they don't wanna be there. And all of a sudden at the end of the, um, at the end of the class, they're like, can you, can you hook me up with other acting classes that I can go to? Um, and just watching these awesome kids grow and develop in their love for theater and their passion for theater, which is our passion too. Um, and just seeing them come together and help each other. I mean, even now with all of the uncertainty that's happening uh, around the country and especially in Tennessee, um, with you know cancellations of shows and postponements and we don't know what's hap gonna happen to our show you know we don't go up for another month um but watching these kids rally around each other and um and call rehearsals on their own independently we're talking about 12 13 year old kids um just because they believe in teamwork and they believe in that collaborative effort is just like the best thing to watch um and i will say personally um, I think my, maybe my third year teaching, um, for my birthday, one of my students got me 
a book of letters that all of my kids had written me and put it in a scrapbook for me. Oh, um, I know. And it was <laughs> literally to this day, the best birthday gift I've ever received. Um, apparently her mom says she stayed up for two nights trying to get it all done. It was just full of notes from teachers, from students, just, and that's my favorite thing in the whole world. And I think if you ask any educator, they would say, just give me a handwritten note. You know, just give me, give me a note, give me an email, um, a card, anything. And that's the most precious. I save all of my stuff. And that was just, that was really hit for me as a teacher that like what I do makes an impact, but what they do makes such an impact on me as well. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, yeah, that's absolutely probably one of my favorite moments to happen to me in my career, bar none. <laughs> I tell my students, and it, it was, it, it was advice passed to me during my undergraduate, mm-hmm. um, to have a rainy day file. Mm-hmm. And I, that was always the big file right in my desk drawer, my big file drawer. Um, it was overflowing. It was a mess. Um, but it was all the letters, all the quick cards, all the stupid little drawings that a kid may have drawn mm-hmm. a cartoon version of me um, and handed it to me or, you know, just a their their prom picture that they wanted me to have. Um, that fight is where it went. And I could go to that. And when it was a crappy, crappy day, pull that out and just find some kind of this is why I'm here. This is the reason I'm here. I still have that. Mm-hmm. It's in a lovely tote right now from when I when I moved to Illinois from the Carolinas. And I, I tell my kids how important that is. And I still have cards from my student teaching that my, my kids mm-hmm. gave me as, as I, they, they sent me on my way. You know, that was 20 some years ago for me. Um, but they, it, that's so special. And that's really cool that they gave you that. Isn't it really so beautiful though that people praise us for having such an impact on kids and you know we do but the impact they have on us is just so it's just tenfold Mm -hmm. and it's such a responsibility yes like we and to teach you hold so much gravity and so much weight for these kids and they hold it on you yeah because my kids inspire me to be a better person every day and it would be remiss of me to not credit them with so much that has happened to me. Well, and and I, I'm sure you're the same way. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And and for me, I don't know if it's the same for you, but for me, it was, I, I don't think I did anything special. Mm. Like I, mm-hmm. I just, it was, it was my job. It was my love. It was, mm-hmm. I did this because I, it's just part of who I am. And, and it, I, I, I'm not doing, I'm not spe- uh, specifically reaching out to this one kid to, to do that. I mean, there mm-hmm. are kids that I did that for, obviously, but like, this is just part of my job and who I am. And to know that it's something that I love so much about who I am and what I do, that it has that kind of impact is just icing mm-hmm. on the cake for me. It's because they can see the passion, right? Yeah. Yeah. They can see how much they can see an adult and see how much they love something and how much they care about something. Um, and how much they care about you because all kids want to be, is just loved, Mm -hmm. right. Loved and supported for who they are. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's such an easy thing to give too. Yeah. you know, such an easy thing to give, but it means so much to them and to us. I, I, most people don't know what, what my, my in quote studio is that I, mm-hmm. I do the podcast in, but it's the, it's honestly this bonus room in my basement. Uh-huh. Um, my, my <laughs> husband has a crafting area across the other side and my, my studio is on the other side of the room and in front of all my equipment, I have hanging this, um, this quilt, um, that was given to me, uh, when I left, uh, my school to, to move to Illinois to start teaching at the university. And it's, all the show shirts from my entire time at that <sighs> school. And I, mm. I keep it in front of me on purpose here to remind me mm. why I do what I do and why you do what you do. And um, like every time I, I do one of these podcasts and one of these interviews, I, I'm thinking of, of Christian couch in Romeo and Juliet as I'm looking at that right now. And um, our very first production of Greece, that was the 
only show to sell out and we only had ninth and 10th graders because um, each year we added a grade level till we had all four. Mm-hmm. Um, but we sold it out, um, our 1500 seat house, <laughs> um, and <laughs> never did that again. Um, but you know, like I think of all these things, I think of my student teacher, Allison Zobel, um, looking at my grumpy cat t-shirt that we made for <laughs> drama that year it said, break a leg. Yes, please. And it has his face. Um, so like, that's why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's for those kids. Absolutely. It's for those experiences and those moments that we have with them. So thank you for all you do. I can just, I can tell. I mean, <laughs> thank you, you for I, all you do. You and I have never met before today. I mean, we've emailed a couple of times, <laughs> but I can just see in your face, you, you, you love your kids. You love what you do. Mm. And, and mm. your kids know that. And that's important. Mm. That's so important. And that's, and if that's all they know at the end of the day, then good. That's fine. I can live with that. (laughs) Well, I want to look back to uh, first year, uh, Mm -hmm. Meredith. And what is something that you wish you had known um, from your undergrad training as you started year one that you didn't know or that your undergrad couldn't have taught you or prepared you for? Um, I had to work the copier. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How to deal with parents. Um, and how to take care of myself. Mm. Um, and you know, I could get into the other things like you should prepare your lesson better or like, these are the resources you can have, which, you know, I definitely did not have any resources my first year of teaching. I was creating everything myself. Um, but I think those are the three big things. I think everything else falls into place after that. Yeah. Well, my final two questions for you that I ask everyone. The first one is, what is a resource, speaking of resources, that you are currently using or have used that is a must-have for us? Um, so I would say definitely, I think I was looking back at your podcast, and I'm pretty sure you've interviewed them before, but um, Drama, Te- Drama Teacher Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, that place is great. It is chock full of good stuff. Um, I love it. And also if you live in Tennessee, the Tennessee arts Academy is awesome. It's held every year and it's a whole week of arts teachers collaborating and you take classes from professionals and you watch live performances and you have these awesome keynote speakers, um, and it's just really fills your cup for the next year. And it is specifically for arts teachers. And so everything is tailored for the arts teacher, for the music teacher, for the bank, for the theater teacher. How cool is um, that? Yes, it is so cool. It's held at Belmont uh, University in Nashville. And um, it's just, it's a really lovely resource um, if you live in Tennessee and if you can get there. Yeah. Well, if you're ever looking for a speaker or a presenter, you have my information. Please reach out. Absolutely. Wonder, <laughs> wonderful. 100%. Um, and then my final question is, what are your parting words of wisdom for new teachers or those veteran teachers who need an encouraging word right now? Um, so my parting, my parting advice to new teachers is relationships first. So relationships with your kids. Like I said before, so much stuff. Uh, can be mended and fixed and um, move if you've just built that that solid relationship with those kids and taking the time and the intention to do it. But not only relationships with your kids, build rela- positive relationships with um, the people in your building. Mm-hmm. So um, your other the other teachers in your building that don't teach in the fine arts, um, the social studies teacher, the science teacher, the math teacher, Uh, those people are my saving grace a lot of days. Um, Build relationships with your admin team, right? Positive relationships with your, with your administration and know that sometimes they're not going to have any theater knowledge or experience. Um, So, but they're going to hopefully trust you as the professional who does know. Um, And also having positive relationships with uh, the people who run the school. So, 
<laughs> your mm-hmm. cafeteria ladies, your uh, custodians, your secretaries, your bookkeeper, especially yep. if you're a theater teacher, <laughs> love your bookkeeper. Like my bookkeeper <laughs> is the best, one of the best people I know, but like know your bookkeeper. <laughs> um, and just know that there are people out there to help you if you need it. So don't be afraid to reach out. You're not weak, you're human. And then for veteran teachers, surround yourself with a new teacher, (laughs) with their optimism and um, joy and positivity and ideas. I get so many ideas from student teachers. um, And, you know, as us veteran teachers who are getting burned out and who are, um, and who can get a little jaded sometimes and um, crabby and, you know, all this is just another day and, you know, blah, 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 blah. I can't wait till summer, whatever. Surround yourself with a new teacher for a little bit because you can give them advice and they also can teach you all sorts of cool new things. Um, and just hopefully lift you up a little bit more. I always told, I, well, I tell my theater ed majors now, but I always told my student teachers when they came in that part of the thing that I loved most about having hosting student teachers um, and, and being their cooperating teacher was that I was getting new ideas every year. And oh yeah, and I that's what I tell my kids now. I'm like, I dare you to give that teacher something new and a new way of teaching something that they've taught for 20 years. Oh, I learned this sick improv game from a student teacher last semester, and I use it all the time now. Like, and I'm not. And I think that sometimes you're like, well, I am the, you know, the human and is like, well, I've been teaching for so long and so long and I have something to prove and whatever, but um, we can still learn, Yes, you know, and we can learn from, um, and, and, you know, these student teachers are coming out of college with fresh ideas, the fresh new um, technique and all this stuff. And they're going to know so much information um, because if you're anything like me, if I have to play park bench one more dang time <laughs> or bus stop or whatever you want to call it. I told my kids the other day, I was like, I have been playing this game longer than you've been alive. And then I stopped and realized that was true. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah. So anyway, just learning from them is just so refreshing and it keeps me going. Cause these fresh, new bright eyed, bushy tailed, new teachers who don't know what's coming for them (laughs) with all these ideas and, um, and hope. Yeah. That sounds really bad. (laughs) No, it's true. It's true. Yeah. My, my cooperating teacher for my student teaching and my university supervisor, I, I will never forget the day they were looking through my portfolio and, and it had my teaching philosophy and I, and Matt Webster, if you're listening, I still stand by that teaching philosophy. Barbara, maybe you too. Um, but they they laughed. Like they laughed at my teaching mm-hmm. philosophy and they were like, oh, to have that hope. And I'm like, but I still do. I still do because yeah. young teachers like you, my, my teachers mm-hmm. that I'm training right now, my veteran teachers in the field, those contacts, those relationships like you've talked about those those reciprocal mentoring program type things those are important and 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 they keep us going they keep us fresh they keep what we're doing in our classroom interesting so they they absolutely do and of course you know I've been only been at it for seven years and I'm lucky enough to teach in the same district that I went to school and so um, my teacher my senior year uh, she came my senior year she is now a colleague of mine And so um, she has been this great resource and she's been at it longer than I have been. And, you know, just surrounding myself with all these other veteran teachers as well. And one day I'll get there, but 20 years is built one day at a time. That's right. That's right. Well, Meredith, thank you so much for talking with me today. This has been an absolute treat. And uh, I hope you enjoy your spring break next week and all the best with all the the coronavirus stuff. And I hope the kids (laughs) get to perform. Um, Oh, thank you. Jimmy, you're great. You're lovely. Oh, thank, thank you, you so much, sir, for this conversation. <laughs> it's so great to talk to like theater education people <laughs> who get it. Yeah. Well, well, Meredith, I wish you all the best. And uh, thank you for talking with me. You as well. Have a great day. You too. 
Well, that about does it for this week. Thank you so much for checking out this week's episode. And if you're like me and you have a lot more downtime right now in between your planning for those online experiences for your students, go back and binge listen to episodes you've missed in the past of Thed Talks. You can find all of our archives and all of our past episodes on the website, www.thedtalks.com. You can find us on all of your favorite podcast providers, uh, Google Podcasts for Google Play, Apple Podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, AnyPod, and TuneIn, and of course on our website, thedtalks.com. Go on those providers, subscribe to us, rate us, leave us some stars, and review us. Tell us what you're liking about the show, and most importantly, share what we're doing here with those theater educators and theater students in your life. Huge thanks to Podcorn for sponsoring this episode. Explore sponsorship opportunities and start monetizing your podcast by signing up at podcorn.com slash podcasters. You can always contact me at email, fedtalkspodcast at gmail.com if you have ideas for, for future shows or there are guests you'd like to hear on the show or if you want to be one yourself, reach out to me. Let me know. I would love to talk with you. Fedtalkspodcast at gmail.com. Find us on all your favorite social media, Twitter at Theater Ed Talks, Tumblr, fedtalks.tumblr.com, Facebook, FedTalks, Instagram, FedTalks Podcast, and once again, the website, www.fedtalks.com. Thank you, Joel Hamlin and Joshua Schusterman, for the use of your original music, Magnetize and Flip the Record. And again, thank you, Podcorn. Teachers, thank you for listening. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep those spirits up. Keep sending those encouraging words out to your kids, because just as frustrated as we are and confused and 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 upset about the the teaching situation for however long we're in it your students are just as confused frustrated and upset too so keep being a positive light for them thank you for what you're doing i appreciate you have a great week